Kasha! This is Michelangelo, aka Greg Sipes. You're listening to Ninja Turtle Power Hour. That's what's up! Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. I'm Cody Tuckett. And I'm Mike Templeton. We're back again after another <laughs> another couple <laughs> weeks off. Another small hiatus. What do yep. we do here again? What is this? Yeah. This is a, um, an instrumental podcast. How, so how like, long has it been? It's only been a week. Yeah, it, it has been it a week. Like a I, long I said time. too. It does feel like it's been a long time. It does feel like a long time. But well, I think we had two week long breaks. Non concurrent week long breaks, right? One after another. So Oh yeah. yeah. Someone had a baby. Yeah. And someone had a anniversary, correct? Uh well no, my anniversary's next week, so that's when he won't be here. That's his uh, yeah, so I won't be on next week's show either. So oh, we can really yeah. cut loose. Yeah, you can cut we'll, as loose as you did last time. We'll cover something <laughs> that Mike's always wanted to talk about, you know, while yeah. he's not here. That's okay. Let's talk like about Soul's Winter about, next week. I like to talk, talk about, about everything. Uh, so. Rise of the Ninja Turtles episode one. We'll, we'll do. Nah, you would never do. You would never do Rise without me. We're gonna do Star, Star Wars, actually. Yeah, fine. Do Star Wars. <laughs> I don't care. And Power Rangers, and uh, we're gonna talk about your like uh, your game campaigns. You're 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 trying. You're trying. I'm just trying to think of stuff you like, Mike, but I can't remember anything. Well, you know what stuff I do like? I like Ninja Turtles. Spencer, oh, we're we're going to talk about the Rocketeer. That's what we're going to do. We're going to write our own Rocketeer and Sonic the Hedgehog crossover. Oh, damn. You got me finally. <laughs> got it. You guys, you guys got it on the first try. First try. All right. <laughs> first try. That's what are we doing this week? This week, we're talking about the miniseries Bad Moon Rising, including... Tells the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Volume Two, Issue Number Seven, uh, which is like the the prequel to the series. I don't know. Bad Moon Rising is like a four issue sequel to this one issue. I guess is how this is supposed to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much like how the Donatello one was a sequel to kind of that that one scene in uh, Volume Two, right? Yeah, except for that one, especially when you read Volume Four and it follows up on it even more. That one made a lot more sense as a story and like worked a lot better than this one did uh, as far as being a sequel to something and continuing things. Yeah, because woof. Yeah, let me tell you. I have to bury the lead here, but woof. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Keith, what are the names of these issues? Oh, yeah. So, Tales of the TMNT number seven is uh, Darkness Weaves. I don't have the other ones handily available. Give I got it. The Calling. <laughs> The taking, the catch, and the win. So, so yeah, these were yeah interesting issues. Uh, there's something there's actually there's a lot of things that I actually did like. You know, to be fair, uh, there's some things that I did like, but altogether as a story, you know, well, well, we'll talk about it. So uh, first, let me tell you a story. The ancient one did tell me a story. I think you guys would want to hear about Master Splinter's master, Hamato Yoshi. Well, let's hear it! Okay. First up, we have Tales of the TMNT, Volume 2, Number 7. This is Darkness Weaves, plot by Steve Murphy and Eric Talbot, script by Steve Murphy, pencils by Jim Lawson, inks and balloons by Eric Talbot, cover by Lawson and Talbot, frontispiece by Michael Dooney, and the letters page art is by Dan Berger. So the gang's all here on this one. 
Now, Shadow is hanging out in a room at the Jones farmhouse, reading through a diary from about five years ago. She mentions how she used to be a jerk and had never forgotten about Sloan or Lilith. Five years ago, Shadow's in the sewer layer listening to some music. It's about 11.30 at night, and she grabs some cash and rushes out the door. She comes across Raph, who stops her, and she lies, saying that she's headed to the Lilith Fair. Raph scolds her and sends her back to her room. He confides in Splinter and takes a shower before going to apologize to Shadow for being so harsh, only to find that she's done the classic, you know, hide a bunch of crap under the blanket to sneak out trick, and Raph heads out to find her. Shadow is meeting up with her friend Sloane to go to a concert starring Lilith, who claims to be the, the moon's sole mistress. Lilith comes out and starts singing, and Raph is in the rafters looking around for Shadow in the crowd. Lilith begins a ceremony called the Letting, where she slits her wrist and pours the blood into a chalice that's then passed around for the concertgoers to drink from while entranced by Lilith. After the chalice has been passed around for a bit, the roof opens up to reveal the moon, and the concertgoers and Lilith start turning into werewolves. Shadow hasn't drank Lilith's blood yet, and ja Raph jumps down to save her. He hands Shadow a sigh and starts attacking, only for Shadow to get pushed and accidentally stab her friend Sloane in the chest. Sloane reverts from her werewolf form back to human form as she dies. Werewolf Lilith demands Raph and Shadow be killed just as the other three turtles arrive to help. Lilith tries to escape with Sloane's body, but is hit in the shoulder by Raph's shurikens. She then gives an ominous warning about Shadow's future and that they will come seeking revenge for, vengeance for Sloane at some point. The cops arrive and everybody scatters. Casey and April decide to move Shadow to the Jones farmhouse the next day. She lives there with Splinter and starts to adjust to life in rural Massachusetts. She wonders what happened to the revenge that Lilith threatened and what of the future that she promised. The end for now. And so then we pick up with my issue, Bad Moon Rising number one. Uh, this issue came out in July of 2007. Our story is by Bill Mulage, pencils by Jim Lawson, inks and letters by Eric Talbot. So, Raphael and Shadow are watching a horror movie when someone rings the doorbell. They answer it, and it's a little girl. She asks for their help, and so they invite her in along with her unseen dog. After she steps in, her dog, quote-unquote, comes in as well, which is really a werewolf. It's Sloane. Somehow, Lilith had saved her, but now Lulu, the little girl, and Sloane need Raph and Shadow's help. Lilith and the rest of her pack have disappeared. Shadow agrees, and so Raph is obliged to agree as well. So Lulu is revealed to be a witch and transports them all to a world full of monsters. This is the homeland of Lilith and the pack. It's called Nocturne. It exists in the shadows of our world. They climb aboard giant bats before being attacked by a giant flying eyeball creatures called Opticarns that devour your soul if you look into their eye. Raph and Shadow draw their swords to fight, but then Raph accidentally looks into an Opticarn's eye. To be continued. And the story was continued on August of 2007 with The Taking. Raph is staring straight into the eye of the Opticarn, mesmerized by its gaze. Shadow comes to his rescue and cuts its head off. The group is able to escape as the remaining Opticarns all turn on their now headless friend and its escaping souls. They arrive in Nocturna, City of Perpetual Night. They stop off at the supernatural 7-Eleven for some smokes and food. Sloane makes a phone call as she waits outside. 
Just then the bodega is robbed. Raff and co. make short work of the robbers. Raff drinks some celebratory spirits after the battle. They then head to Nocturna City sewers and take an elevator up to a skyscraper. Raff explores the luxurious penthouse they find themselves in and finds nothing amiss and is very suspicious of it. He asks Sloane to tell them what is really going on. Sloane tells them how she brought Lulu there after she was done babysitting. Lilith was supposed to have met them downtown for dinner, but she never showed up and wasn't back home. She was gone. She resents Raphael for not believing her. They all go to check out the roof and find the aftermath of a battle. A massacre. Blood is everywhere and a wolf head is on a pike. It is the head of their wolf sisterhood's only animal companion, Clea. Raph finds a giant feather, a barn owl feather with blood on it. As he's looking around for more clues, a giant owl attacks the building, driving its claws into the window at Raph. It rips the top off of the building with everyone inside it and flies away. To be continued. To be continued in issue 3, September 2007. Raphael, Shadow, Sloan, and Lulu watch helplessly as the giant owl continues carrying the crumbling den over an open ocean. The owl is then intercepted by a flock of giant ravens and their attacks cause the owl to drop the entire dwelling, which starts free-falling down into the water. But the den's fall is caught and cushioned by a giant jellyfish that has just emerged from the deep. The jellyfish envelops the structure inside its membrane and submerges, taking the wrecked den and its inhabitants deep underwater. And the jellyfish's tendrils release a smoke that knocks the four unconscious. They awake to find themselves in the comfort of the underwater realm of Atlantia, as guests of Oshina and her husband, Lord Kitan, who is revealed to be Lulu's father and Lilith's ex-husband. At a lavish seafood banquet, Kitan promises the resources of his kingdom toward the search and recovery of Lilith and her sisterhood. But when the meal is over, it becomes clear to the reader that not all is what it seems when Kitan and Sloane sneak off together. Later, Kitan personally leads a military attack on Lord Incubor's tower fortress. Raphael objects to this news, having been promised a chance to fight by Kitan's side, but it quickly becomes apparent that the guards are preventing the group from leaving. They are effectively prisoners. Raph attacks the guards and a battle quickly erupts, prompting Lulu to use her magic to help the group escape into the water and carries the group to the top of Lord Incubor's tower, where they begin searching for Lilith on their own. But Raph falls through a trapdoor, soon finding himself under the supernatural spell of three of Incubor's succubi in the appearance of his companions to be concluded right now in bad moon rising part four this is called the win originally published october 2007 written by bill molog art by jim lawson letters by eric talbot and cover by sophie campbell so raph is about to be entranced by these three succubus women when sloan busts through the wall in her werewolf form a fight breaks out, and the good guys are able to get some information about Lilith's whereabouts after Lulu blinds them with Tien's solar flare attack. Raph and the gals rush towards Lilith's location, only to find a cell guarded by zombie werewolves. Raph and Shadow hold them off while Lulu and Sloane bust the cell open with magic. Inside, they help Lilith out of her shackles. Lilith offers to house the zombie werewolves, offers to help Sloane find the rest of her soul, and confirms that she sent the other werewolves into hiding when the vampires attacked the werewolf penthouse. Meanwhile, the assault of the vampire tower by the Atlanteans is still happening. Lord Kitan sets a sight on Lord Incubor, Lord of the Vampires. Incubor clarifies that Kitan will be paying for any excessive damages to the tower, then they get into a semi-fake fight until Kitan is successful. Kitan reveals that he merely wants to look like he's won the day. That's all that matters to him. The Elanians victorious and Lilith rescued, they head back to Atlantis. 
Back in Atlantis, everyone celebrates with a feast, but Kitan and Sloane slink away to some back hallway. Kitan meets up with Incubor and they exchange briefcases. Kitan gives Incubor a bunch of money to, give her, to cover the charade of the war, and Kitan gets the rest of Sloane's soul in return. Kitan chides, I'm sorry, Incubor chides Kitan over waging a war for child custody. Sloane shows up and makes some sexual comments towards Kitan, and they're caught by his shadow and wrath. Kitan reveals that his, this whole thing was a ploy to make Lilith look like a bad mom and make him look chivalrous for saving his ex-wife before their next custody hearing so that Kitan would get full custody of Lulu. Shadow and Raph conclude there's nothing they can do, and then they were had by this great scheme. The end. The end to, like, Game of Thrones custody battle. <laughs> Just, yeah, they really stuck the landing there. Uh, <laughs> I, it really, I... Woo, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. <laughs> there, were some, there were some twists and turns, let me tell you. Yeah. All right, well, let's... Uh, before we get too much into to everything, the everything, uh, we should probably move on to the second time around. Hey, uh, nice junk. Uh, so Keith mentioned it, um, uh, but this is some of uh, Sophie's earliest work for Mirage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably some of her earliest work, like officially on Turtles. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, this, this, is her, this is her earliest. Uh, she did the frontispiece for uh, issue 29 of Tales, which was uh, in 2006. And then okay. she did the four, and then she did these four covers for Bad Moon Rising right after. Awesome. So kind of, kind of neat. Seeing like really early Sophie stuff. Yeah, it was interesting for me because I wasn't aware, and so it's like it's it's super wild to like know someone so well, and then it's like oh, I was actually on it way before, and then you can just see that like clear progression. Yeah, like you can you you kind of notice like. It, th- like wh- when you look at some of it you're like okay this is her style like her humans mm-hmm. are still like they're not quite where they are like now yeah um but you recognize like her turtles yeah yeah the cover like it's like without knowing it it's like it's familiar and you can't place it but as soon as you mm-hmm. learn like oh it's sophie's it's like oh that makes all the sense in the world that's 100 yeah. like her cover they're great covers. I, I really think the first one's the the clear winner for me, where Raph's like all in shadows up in that tree. Because the other three are just like Raph standing around with women. But yeah. the first one is so <laughs> badass. Oh my god. It so really good. it really is really cool. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the one that lured me in the comic shop like decades ago. <laughs> the one with all the women around Raph or the or the, no, other the really cool the, one? The tree one. The tree one. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because really, I, the other three, I think the second one, he's standing with Lulu, Shadow, and uh, Sloane. The yeah. third one's the three vampire girls, and the fourth one is Lilith, Lulu, and Shadow. Yeah. So. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the vampire girls one. I mean, that was home run. Everyone yeah. loves it. Home run. Defining moment for Raph. <laughs> <laughs> Some... Uh, some fun like Easter egg things in issue seven on that first page uh, when Shadow is telling you, let me tell you a story. Uh, she's got a bunch of posters on her wall. And on one part, like in the, on the left side in the corner, you can see the Black Keys, the big come up album is a poster on the wall, which. How big were the Black Keys at this point? Because like I didn't I didn't hear about them until like Brothers and El Camino when I was like a teenager. You know, uh, I mean, I remember them 
I remember hearing about them in high school, like my senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I mean, they were, I mean, they didn't get big until like later, but I mean, th- these, yeah. these issues are from 2007. So, yeah, well, the bad moon rising is, but oh, that, Tales sorry, volume yeah. number seven is 2005. Like, yeah. 2005. So only like up to rubber factory was out thick. Yeah. Freakness and rubber yeah, factory. Uh, anyway, I just, I was like, wow, whoever's listening to this had some pretty good taste in music. Uh, you know, <laughs> but, uh, she, but there was, a, there was some other, like, there was some other stuff in there too. So like there's, there's, um, a bust of Hellboy. Um, mm-hmm. there's, uh, Hello, Hello Kitty and like Bats Maru. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like very obviously, uh, a Totoro is, is, uh, there. Yeah. It, um, Another there's also a poster. I didn't know who it was until I looked it up, but the Amani Coppola, mm-hmm. like her her Chupacabra album cover is there. I don't know who she is. I never listened to her stuff until I saw this, but I figured it was probably an Easter egg and looked it up. Yeah. There's uh, so I, I own this comic, so I read the like letters in the back, and someone pointed out that at one point Splinter had a Devo uh mug, and they mentioned like they write back to the guy and they're like, yeah, he's actually a big diva fan. His favorite song is whatever. So like whoever's, whoever's writing and drawing this, they're real deep into music. So. Yeah. Um, and then there's a plush, uh, a plush doll of fluffy Brockleton, who was a character created by Michael Dooney for gizmo. Yeah. Also on a guy's shirt in the crowd later on in the comic book, Porco Rosso is on, is on one of the girls or guys shirts. I was on a girl's oh, shirt. Yeah. Yeah. But Porco Rosso is, is there too. So they also must be Studio Ghibli fans, <laughs> whoever the artist, Jim Lawson might be, or, or the writer might be. I well, don't I mean, know. this was, this was a, this was a Dooney piece. So, I mean, he's kind of the, sneaking the out. Art? All that well, the, yeah, the front the, is, front is piece. The front is piece was, but I think we're, oh, the, I'm, yeah, where, I'm talking uh, about Spencer's mentioned. It was sorry. Yeah. Crowd. Sorry. Yeah. I was yeah. going back to like the interior. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was jumping back to the, to the front is piece. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Sorry, I I, oh, I already jumped just to a different uh, a different little Easter egg, which was yeah the Porco Rosso on a, on a girl in the crowd shirt at the concert. <laughs> I remember that Amani uh, Coppola poster. That was, that was yeah, it's big. the cover of it's the cover for one of her albums, and so I'm yeah. guessing at that point you could just get posters that were the cover of people's albums. You probably still can. I've just never looked into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you know, back back in my day, we had you know the warehouse and. Uh, I think FY and I think FY FYE was around back then. Yeah, but like those like very specific anybody have like media, media play, media play. No, God, Suncoast. Do you did you guys remember Suncoast? Yeah, Suncoast around was great, yeah. around that was here. Only, if you wanted anime, oh, that was pretty much the only place you were going to get. Yeah, it. if you wanted anime, Suncoast was was one of the best places. Yeah, there's Graywell for for music. I think specifically around here in Utah. I don't know if it. I mean, a lot of them have gone out of business. I think but there's one Graywell left, actually. There might be one in West Valley kind of area. That's That was near where I used to live. Because I stopped by there once a long time ago. Yeah. Well, if you I mean, that's how you know your store old, next to you, let us know. When you become nostalgic for businesses that no longer exist. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't they around? Well, because you never went there and spent money, dude. It'll it'll happen to you kids. I mean, maybe not cuz like you'll grow up and all that will be left is like Walmart, Megacorp, but yeah. Yeah. Amazon. 
There, there is actually yeah, when, a, when the kids are sad that Amazon went out of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah I somehow I don't think that's happening. Like uh, that'd be like saying when the kids are sad because Walmart went out of business. You know, it's just. I mean, eventually there will be just one giant like corporate Mega. government store. That's yeah. all there is. Everything merges. It'll just be like Walmazon or something like that. Yeah. You know. Maybe GameStop will finally go out of business. Never. GameStop is everlasting. Everlasting uh, GameStoppers. And an interesting, I don't know, do you guys feel like the story in general, uh, in issue number seven, I guess specifically, not really Bad Moon Rising, but it was kind of inspired by Satanic Panic a little bit, like some of those kind of vibes, the themes in it kind of came from, from someone yeah, who probably grew up bit. in that I era. Could, yeah, I could see it. I mean... To me, that stuff is more like D and D and like Ouija boards. Um, but I mm-hmm. guess by then it would have morphed to like you know you you but dang punkers like, in your music. Yeah, yeah, sneaking out yeah, I mean, to like, the, it, the rock very, shows it, or whatever that are. Yeah, like it's very much like picking, like picking at the goth culture. Mm-hmm. You know, what's kind of cool is that uh, Shadow mentions the Lilo Fair. Which was a real event that <laughs> happened from like ninety seven to ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. Raph says, "Oh, that thing that came through last year," which means that this story takes place about the year two thousand. Um, she's reading a diary in the future, five years in the future, and this book came out in two thousand five. So, like, the mm-hmm. timeline actually lines up really well. It's it's yeah. it's kind of wild, yeah. Like, cause like, it it really feels like Mirage always kind of took place in the year that it was mm-hmm. put that those issues were published in. Whether or not they kept track of the turtles' age, it always seemed like that. Yeah, because <laughs> because like we, oh, you know, when, when we get to when we get to some later issues uh, in this, like Raph is Raph is drinking booze, mm-hmm. so it's no, like he, the turtles, which I like because he was the one like when they first got to April's who wanted a beer. We've seen him drinking beer, beer with Casey when he's in space. He's trying to order beer. Like I, yeah, I like that consistency. You know, he just uh, when, won, he, when he lost all of his mutagen, booze. yeah, we lost all of his mutagen in the river and got it back. The first thing he asked for was a beer. Like it's wildly consistent. I love it. Yeah, well, that's the other thing I realized about the Bad Moon Rising story is that he definitely is an adult now, and it definitely has to be after the aliens have landed. So for people who don't know what happened in volume four of Ninja Turtles, aliens land on earth and formally announce their arrival to Utramdu. And then they start inviting the world to participate in intergalactic politics and, and affairs. And so aliens are just starting to come and visit earth as Taurus and other things. And so the turtles are just able to walk about in the open. So like Raph goes and just opens the door and answers it when, when Lil, when Lulu knocks on it. Also, for point. people who don't know uh, who Shadow is, uh, Shadow Jones is Casey's adopted daughter from <laughs> the end of uh, Mirage Volume 1. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, right. Some other interesting things is uh, it includes like the folklore of uh, monsters having to be invited into your home for them to be able to enter. So, you know, Lulu the witch can't enter until they invite her in, and then she also makes them invite her friend, her Isn't dog. That, I thought that was like so specifically like a vampire thing. I think it is a vampire thing, but they're just kind of, you know, letting that kind of extend out. I think it might be a witch thing too. I don't know. It's, it gets yeah, played I mean, with as an idea like, so yeah. much in pop did, culture that I did catch know. that too, though. I usually know it by like vampires, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's fun. So Lulu asks Raph if he's related to Sutan Jin who was a character from Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Oh, are you serious? Yep. It's awesome. Huh. 
they uh they crossed over with Cowboys and Moon Mesa. He he never appeared in it, um, but it was a um uh he's only ever really appeared in um Turtles, but he was created by Ryan Brown for Moon Mesa. Another interesting bit of vampire lore that they decided to incorporate is the vampire hypnotic stare, uh, which you don't see very often nowadays, but it's back in the old Dracula movie, at least. It's probably in the book. I don't know if it is or not. But you see the old original black and white Bella Lugusa. Bella, what's the guy's name? Lugosi. Yes, Bella Lugosi. You know, he does the whole hypnotic stare with, with people. And so those vampire... The vampire babes use it on Raphael. Oh, is it their babiness that really hooks them? I think it's a bit of both. You know, it's it's kind of like the poison ivy thing. You know, kind of kind of thing going on there. Probably there's a moment where they they say like he could have what he wants, and he almost answers them. Like so, we almost learned the desires of Raph. But he's kind of getting a you know a hypnotic moment of it all too. You know, are those Maybe three they like succubus ladies? I feel like I've seen that in other media, but I don't know. Like, do they have names? Are they a reference to something, or is it just like the a brides weird of trope? Dracula? Is that yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, in in the Dracula movie and the novel, of course, um, like um, Jonathan Harker is, you know, doing his, uh, I forget his official title, but he's like, you know, his like the guy, the fixer, basically for Dracula, and so he's in his castle, and Dracula's like, don't walk around the castle because you're gonna be screwed if you do, and of course he does, and like his, you know, brides go at him, and he's like, you. You get back, ladies. <laughs> Just like that. Just like that. Just get, like back, that. get back, ladies. Get back, ladies. All right. Yeah. Any other uh oh, lore? So I, I didn't know where to put this. Um, but in uh so issue two, Lulu says that her father is Nostros, the king of the elves. Oh yeah, this is a big anchovy for me. It was it an anchovy? Okay, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. It like, was, it, yeah, I, I'm I'm me mentioning it, is, it just because like the it, the book like retconned itself between two issues. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. sea elves, dude. Hard. It's fine. Sea elves. There we go. Sea elves. Like, elves she of says, the sea. She says, but she says his name is Nostros, King of the Elves, and then in the next issue, it's Chiton, Kingdom Lord of the Kingdom of of Atlantia. Yeah, man, I should I should have read all the books together because I totally forgot that detail and was just yeah. cool with it. Because I, I spaced yeah, no, them back apart. to back. It's like uh, I would not, you know. Yeah, there's I, a reason I, I, came out I read it today, and I was yeah. like, that, I, was I like, did. She just said that. Yeah, <laughs> I read it all together, but I didn't clock it. But it's interesting because they did like they did set up the whole like I see him on weekends sometime. So they were they were putting in the whole custody thing early. Yeah, like it, it feels <laughs> yeah. like the custody gag was gonna be a thing. Yeah, but then yeah. like it just changed characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, Raph getting geared up in the first issue really reminded me of that episode of the 2012 series where he like ge- gets all geared up to go to uh, Shredder's place. But he's got Casey's golf bag, which I thought yeah, was he's got Casey. Cool. So he's got Casey's golf bag. He's got Leo's katana. He's got some daggers. He looks like he looks like he's got like a holy hand grenade. Yeah, and he has a grenade. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the, like the little daggers look like they have like cross hilts, like like the yeah, yeah. like crosses. I which... think those are just like punch daggers. Like because I was looking at those two, I was like, they look like crosses, but Is it... because they're, they're just at the end of like punch daggers, so I was like, maybe that's like where he holds it. 
But I don't know, you know, if I was going to fight vampires or monsters yeah, of the does. unknown, I would just take a bunch of things shaped like crosses. Just, well, I was just, saying, like, it looked like, it's like a, a, it just a made work. You never know. It does you, look you, like, you never oh, know. yeah, like all three of those things do definitely, they look like that. Wooden stakes, things shaped like crosses, yeah. you know, it, it, whatever might work, you know, you might as well try it all. But he like, he like took all of his brother's weapons. Yeah. Um, which is kind of funny because like, they all chastised him for it back in um, the tales issue for like him not telling them where they were, go- where he was going. Mm-hmm. Granted, that so was years ago though, as well. So I mean, yeah, granted. Yeah. It was five years ago, well, but still it was five years from her reading the diary. But I think in this, in bad moon rising, I think she had been away from Sloan for like a year. I think they what? said that towards the beginning that she had oh. died a year ago. I thought I remembered that. I don't know. Yeah, this this but, book didn't do a good job of of keeping track of the continuity yeah, very well. Yeah, if this book didn't do a good job, then I'm not going to do a good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, some other cool things I noticed, and this is, I think this is an issue four, where Sloan calls Raph an amphibian, but obviously turtles are reptiles. And he corrects um, her. Yes. Sloan uses the same kind of knives that Lilith used during the wedding ceremony, which I thought was a kind of a cool detail. And then uh, the briefcase with the soul is, I think, a reference to Pulp Fiction. All right. Are we ready to talk about our anchovies then? Oh, are we? Oh, boy. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I can't let you know. So just to, just to get kind of like a few little things with with issue seven out of the way. Well, the, I guess my one thing. Actually, issue seven was pretty solid. I only had one thing with it. Mm-hmm. And it's... The the crowd at this concert that's standing in front of Lilith, I'm trying to decide if they're supposed to kind of be like under hypnotism and kind of catatonic. Um, I that's what I was going with because they were especially like, yeah same, which was, just like, makes me assume that to them like to trap them. Yeah, but which think, also makes me Raph just mentions that like he's got to break uh break shadow out of the trance. So I, I assume yeah. they were all in trance in some way. He, he, yeah, he does say that at that point, and like that's when the song's currently going. But he also like Raph also says at some point, like, "Wow, these guys like real are really into it, kind of thing, like really into the music." And it's like if you're at a concert and people are really into it, and everyone isn't just standing still and staring at the stage, <laughs> you know? Yeah. People, people are moving. If you go and, through again, like they're definitely like wide eyed, yeah, entranced. Anyway, so well, speaking of that brings me to my yeah, anchovy, which of. is like the music. <laughs> oh my god, it's there's these huge word bubbles everywhere, and the it's just lyrics. Like there's no like music to it, but it's very repetitive, and it's not it's not good lyrics in the first place. I think it's, it's just yeah, I, hate the I hate the font. I, like, it yeah, conveys the what font. they're doing. The font but it's is also bad like, too. Yeah, I, I think it's supposed to be droning and hypnotic. Like, and I think that's the how they were trying to convey it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much like, it, a, like it's like a chanty spell kind of. Yeah, thought. but it like it doesn't it doesn't translate well. And then like speaking hmm. of like everybody having like giant wide eyed like this isn't some of Jim Lawson's best work. Yeah, yeah I when you the, give him too many faces to draw, it's <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> I think minimize. that was the thing is like it was it was too it was too many too many unique character faces because like the only person who didn't look like another character was uh lulu all right yeah like yeah, that's having, having so many faces to compare is not not very favorable but yeah that's about all i have for number seven though so i'm good number number about. seven yeah like number seven was the strongest of these issues oh easily mm-hmm. yeah 
I kind of, I kind of theorize that because this, uh, what I'm sorry, I lost his name, Bill Molog. He's really done nothing else besides Turtles. I know that Steve Murphy he was, is. He was a, cool enough where like they later got to credit him as just Molog. Like they they dropped the bill because he was just household name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that Steve Murphy like he used a pseudonym when he wrote Adventures, so I was like maybe he used a pseudonym for this as well. But like, why would he do that? I guess. And also, this doesn't seem like Steve Murphy work. Like it's pretty loose. Yeah, so, I, I remember mm-hmm. you putting that in the group chat. You were like, maybe this is Steve Murphy's pseudonym, and it's like, nope. Doesn't seem like it. Uh, And I have this broken down by issue, but really like... No, just throw them all out there. Yeah, especially the first one. There's a lot of them just like riding around on bats. It's like five pages of it. And then like several pages of them just like hanging out in the grocery store. It's like, what are we doing, guys? Come on. Yeah, I mean, it's a little padded out. I think like some of it's lost in storytelling style. It's very... Sometimes it kind of reads like storyboards. Uh, you know, as a comic book, like that's kind of how I see it a lot sometimes, but yeah, it is impressive how many different angles and poses he can get out of the same action. But, um, and then, yeah, I might commented on this before, but the continuity in this issue, these issues, this mini series, just terrible. Yeah. Worse than the 87 series. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, kind of. And we're still (laughs) around Atlantis somehow, but so yeah, (laughs) Lulu's dad is Atlantean, but in the end of the second issue, she says that he was the king of the elves and that her parents never married. But here, his name is Lord Chiton. He's an Atlantean and he's saving his ex-wife. Like, that's a big part of the the story. So, like... (laughs) Speaking of, like, the way this kind of just devolves into, like, like, literally just a custody battle... Like just a mundane custody battle. It's like Game yeah. of Thrones, but a custody battle. It's it's know? just like <laughs> And does getting kidnapped by a vampire make you a bad parent? Yeah, like, in the world it, of Nocturne? Never, probably. Well, I mean, because that's the thing, it's like it does it it never says like they're going to like the court of judges in Nocturne or something. Like it it doesn't they they don't set up like is this like a fairy court kind of thing? where like the rules would be different where that would be kind of a bad offense but like and so like when you look at it you're just kind of left to assume that like this is just a normal people's court they're going to judge judy yeah they're going to judge judy oddly (laughs) mundane for how fantastical it is like the whole story exactly werewolf vampires you got these big eyeball things and it's like actually i'll need this for my lawyers and it's like whoa and so it so the whole thing feels like a joke i kind of want to see a werewolf though and a merman battling for custody of their daughter on I judge mean, judy though I, like, yeah true, what, true. <laughs> that part of it was just so weird like and it's like there's a steep cutoff like it's like the first two issues and like half of issue three i'm on board for and you're like oh cool it really went weird now they're they're fighting underwater king guy are they underwater i don't know i guess they're not and then it's like everything's fake and it just like takes a steep decline into like i don't understand it's like they were doing the story and they were just kind of like oh, i'm tired of this so yeah <laughs> yeah like Let's wrap it up well like what was like, up with the zombie werewolves the end, like Raph- there weren't any other zombies so we're yeah they get zombie werewolves i didn't and- even re- i didn't realize they were zombies until lilith said it yeah 
Well, that, that's the thing is like there's there's so many like different kind of plot moments and things that feel like they're kind of opened up and they don't really ever get resolved. And it's like maybe they were saving this for like an issue of Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and they're going to revisit Nocturna or Nocturne, but then they, you know, probably never did. Uh, it's just like because yeah. they're, they're throwing so many different things is like we yeah. have werewolves, we have witches, we have uh, the mer people, we have zombies now. You know, you've got like the little monsters, the Opticons and the giant bats, you know, or the, the bat people, you know, when Incubor comes out, mm-hmm. you got Succubi, like it's until it just sort of, and then ends. it just fizzles out. Yeah. It just what, fizzles out. And then it was like a secret, was the it was a secret deal between, uh, Lord Incubor and Chitin anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What side was the owl on that stole the whole like vampire loft and where'd the Ravens come from? Yeah. And it, on top it, of that, it seemed like, like the owl was evil, but the ravens were good because they were trying to like save them or something. Yeah, but which side is which in that case? <laughs> I guess I don't know. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, how did Lulu just become a witch with elf ears? Yeah, it, the it's child monsters of, logic, right? Yeah, like if she's the child of mer people and a werewolf, like and. Like she shows up to Raph in, in shadows and they're like, okay, there was this huge attack at the werewolf palace. We, we were away. We got back. There was blood and fur everywhere. Then they go to the werewolf palace and there's nothing that everything's perfectly intact. They go upstairs to the like roof and they're like, oh, there was a battle up here. And it's like, well, you came to us and said that you knew that. And then we got there and there was nothing. And now you're surprised that there was a battle also. Like it just, the continuity of this, miniseries is all over the place yeah well that's, that's kind of like one of the other things that is my issue with this being a sequel to to tells volume two number seven is that the story ends with like being like one day they're gonna come back for their revenge amazing so and yeah yeah it's like okay all right yeah I'm, we're gonna have a story where we just got raf just you know being cool with shadow and fighting off werewolves or something right and then it turns into like we're not really like enemies anymore. We're, you know, we need your help. Come, come help us. And because <laughs> a legal matter. Yeah. Cause, that's, yeah, yeah. Cause that's, that's the thing is like, you know, going into this, you're like, Oh dang. Like they picked up this plot thread a couple years later. Like, Oh cool. Like we're going to, we're going to see this resolve. And then like literally no. <laughs> yeah. Cause they also don't address how like Sloan was resurrected unless I missed that or they just right. kind of, yeah, well it's kind they, of a somehow Palpatine returned kind of. Yeah. Thing. Like they gloss yeah. over it. Like it's very, it's very much like, Oh, well she brought me back and I'm, and I'm missing soul. part of my soul. And how the vampires yeah. get the other half. And she's in a relationship with vampire dad, Murdu dad. It yeah. Like, and like that, like that comes out or? of nowhere and then also <laughs> kind of goes nowhere. It's yeah, because it's like where... it's, 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 that just boils down to the end of like Raph is just like I knew you were always a bad a bad one, and it's like huh, yeah, yeah, and then it just yeah. like ends. It literally is just like, and that's that. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's just like we've been had, and then it just sort of ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, like it literally ends on a gag, like Raph going, "I bought it hook, line, and sinker," and it like pans out, and they're still underwater, and it's. like yeah, yeah. so it just doesn't feel very resolute as as an end, you know. It's, well, by the I end, what, I was like, why? Are, what, why are Shadow and Raph even there? Like, what are yeah, they doing? Yeah. I, I think what makes it so annoying is that, like, th- if this was a Tales issue, I could excuse it. But the fact that it's a mini series, 
Like, yeah. cause ta- tales, you can kind of get away with it being like a weird anthology adventure. Yeah. Cause it's like, this is a story. Maybe we'll pick it up later or whatever. Or, or just like, Hey, like this is a weird thing that happened to the turtles. Did it actually happen? Who knows? It's a tales. Yeah. Cause it also makes some sense. Like if she's just like reading from her story or whatever, it's like, here's some yeah. stuff I remember. And it's probably a lot of it wrong. Cause it's just my, yeah, you'd be like, yeah. Like how, how much of it actually happened? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I would like this better if it wasn't a sequel to darkness weaves. Yeah. Like if they weren't even trying to make it a sequel, it was just his own thing where it's like, here's all this wacky crap on the mystical side of part, the Mirage universe. They, you know? they could have done it well, but why they chose to go like it literally like, the page before the last, he's literally talking about like it when it got to like the custody hearing, that's where it's like you're you're some evil king, just kidnapper. Like who Yeah. yeah. What, <laughs> what are what are these like it's just so weird to me when you bring well, like, yeah, like, like, I said, like it doesn't fantastic. Up. Like you don't need laws. Like you like, yeah. like how's the werewolf getting underwater? This, you're yeah, exactly. Like you're the king of this kingdom. Like why just make a new law. Who, who is enforcing <laughs> these laws on, on the exactly. king of it? Like on the, like, on the king like, of Atlantis, the, the king the of the undersea underwater elves. <laughs> it's gotta be some like twilight where it's like, there's these powers that be and you can't break the vampire law or whatever. There's probably some sort of angels or something that watch over nocturne that like descend or fallen angels or something that, you know, I don't know that, that, that overwatch it or hear me out. We bring Nocturne into the IDW universe, and it was Gothano, right? Now yeah. Gothano's gone. Okay, All Nocturne's right. bleeding into into the. I, I don't know. I actually, actually kind of, actually kind of like the concept of Nocturne and think that it actually is a good door. To yeah, open it was. It was neat when they like get a good story behind it. Mm-hmm. You thought you were going a outside, Raph, but aha, now you're screwed. Like that's where I was like, okay, Raph is in some trouble here. Yeah, like and it starts out pretty is, well. But... It just goes so off rails so quickly. The mm-hmm. real evil is divorce court, kids. Right. As a child of divorce, I agree. Chiton, king of the mermaids, claims that his daughter hasn't been able to be at his home long enough. He wants full custody. Lilith, Lilith's mother, is a werewolf. Custody of the daughter, except for weekends. A werewolf uh, underground rock artist. Lately, she's been proven incompetent in avoiding kidnapping from vampires. Will she be able to maintain custody of her child? Is victim blaming wrong? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, should we uh, talk about the things that we did like to get some positives out there? Yeah, I suppose so. I love being a turtle. So I really the biggest... do like Jim Lawson's Squiggly Turtles. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Yeah. I, I enjoy, like, that's the thing is Jim Lawson has very strong, like, storytelling art, I will say. Like, he, he, he does sometimes struggle with human faces kind of some, like, looking the same and his character, his human characters looking different from one another. But as far as, like, the action and things like that go, he does a good job of, like, making things look interesting and, and, and cool for the And it pulls panel. you along. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I definitely thought the art was a strong point of all, all of the series. Yeah, um, and and the tales issue was definitely the strong one of yeah. all five of the books we read. So, I yeah. mean, like, because like the big, the big 
open scenes of like them riding on the on the uh, baths and stuff like that all looked really cool. Like the owl picking up the building looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I swear, if if he wasn't a comic book artist, Jim Lawson would make a great nature artist. Like, yeah, he draws the hell out of that owl. We've yeah. seen him do it in the past with like other birds and stuff. He's really good. Yeah, yeah, you can tell he's really, really good at drawing nature. And it, it's kind of funny though in that book because like the the turtles and his humans look very kind of cartoony, and then it's like super realistic, amazing looking owl just scooping up this house. Yeah, yeah, almost like a different uh, artist is doing it. Yeah. 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 Although, although, and I don't know, is this too, I don't know if it's too much for the cast you can edit it, but I don't know if I love it or hate it, but the owl does have like a very clear butthole and I don't know. <laughs> is it a cloaca if it's a bird? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a little cartoony butthole, but yeah. 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 It's, it's like, I mean, I have a, <laughs> I have a coaster with like a cat butt on it. It's the same X. Yeah. That's like, yeah. It's, it's yeah. that vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the things that I loved though in issue seven is Uncle Raph watching Shadow and like like just Raph playing playing the role of Uncle and seeing him be the yeah yeah, yeah. the pretends to be hard boiled like tough on her but it, you know at the end you can see he's kind of a softy and lets her get away with quite a bit more than he probably should and pretends like he doesn't mm. kind of thing. <laughs> what were they watching? The Exorcist. Is that that yeah. that was what the, okay. On brand. I thought it was interesting. They had like, is that like an actual movie screenshot? It looked like it, didn't it? Or it's at least like a real photo. Yeah. I've never really like been super into The Exorcist, except to learn that they like broke the girl's back or something. You never been into the Exorcist cinematic universe? Mm mm. The ECU. <laughs> oh, the Pazuzu verse. The Pazuzu. <laughs> Pazuzu. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Futurama reference. Turtles fighting werewolves is cool. It's just cool. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Raphael, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah like that. the werewolves like that. Like that is cool. Mm-hmm. That that's why I felt like this. Like these made great tales issues, but like when they put them in their own miniseries, it's like okay, it just felt weird. But like hmm. the some of the stuff that happens in here, like Raph going to the underwater kingdom, and then like just getting wrapped up in this giant like battle like it felt like it like really building up to something it was it felt cool yeah no like i i like the concept of nocturne i like the idea that they have an, another dimension-esque world that they can end up traveling to that they can explore because turtles has a lot especially like the mirage comics and you know it was kind of in the cartoon that i grew up watching like stories where they end up going on an adventure and like discovering this new mm. world or new place it's another option for the turtles. Like they don't always have to be fighting. They don't always have to be fighting. <laughs> you yeah. know, they don't like some, some like government organization or the foot or, or Krang, yeah. you know, aliens, like they can, they can go to another world and just be fishes out of water. Like how the original turtles in space story is and just trying to get by and, and discovering new things as they're there. Yeah. Uh, and it's just fun to see new monsters and things like Opticarns. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. Or, or the monster convenience store robbery. Like I actually enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. kind of like, you know, like there, there, there's this world and they have convenience stores in this monster world. And we get to like see a robbery play out and get thwarted by, by Raph and shadow. Yeah. Uh, it does kind of be was... the question though. Cause we've, we've had vampires before in Mirage. So like, where did those vampires come from though? But yeah, like um, 
well, that, I was that was like guest was era. Thing. That was yeah, guest true, era, though. True. That wasn't canon. I do love so. speaking of that that robbery at that store. Raph buys a bottle of spirits and he opens it up and ghosts fly out. Yeah, that he's drinking like, ghosts. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was funny. It is fun to see Raph because he's like, I hate all this supernatural crap, and so like he ends up like knee deep in it, and he just wants mm. some food, and it's just all these like weirdo ingredients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and but he is strangely ending... determined to keep drinking the spirits. Like, oh, is it safe now? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he it's wanted the, that beer. The ghost of the hair of the dog that bit you. That was funny. <laughs> that was a good beer. Yeah, that was a good, that was a good gag. Yeah. And you know what? No matter what the pretenses of the war was, like a war between like werewolves and merpeople and them getting stuck in the middle of all of it, uh, you know, going to... To save Lilith and werewolves, things like that. Werewolves, mer people, and bat people, remember. And bad people, yes. You know, that that it's it's fun. It's a cool idea. I just wish that I don't know, it was just all like everything got so crammed into just these four issues. This could have uh, been the underworld movies and it would have been rad. Yeah, yeah, it was very underworld esque. I will say my favorite like mundane thing that they brought into this is like so Sloan goes outside the drugstore and she makes a call. Presumably she's calling Kitan, right? Mm-hmm. And we see later that like the succubuses and even the vampire king, they're all these mythical creatures in this other dimension, and they all just have regular ass cell phones. Yeah, with, like, good reception yeah, and stuff. It's thing. like what the like, hell? Seeing seeing uh seeing them pull out. They're old, like flip phones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like their old 2005 era cell phones was like, oh man, it was great. And it was yeah, funny because I, uh, I sent it to you guys, like the ad for digital comics at the time, like that gocomics.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. And Cody like pointed out like the phone that they're reading on is like an old like flip phone. Yeah, who wants yeah. to read comics on your one inch screen? That's <laughs> <laughs> how yeah, we used to lose your eyesight in the day. <laughs> gonna lose your Uh, eyesight squinting uh, because i remember i remember uh one of the earliest like and one of the best comic readers a long time ago was on the psp yeah Hmm. yeah that makes sense the psp was that did it all ahead of its time man yeah i didn't get into phone comics until pretty much until like comicsology was actually like a real thing i didn't yeah for me it was the the dc app and comicsology we've come a long way we have like it's really it really is like the golden age of reading comics because it's new stuff certainly is like so mm-hmm. so easy and actually like you know idw because i you know i talked about my issues with like i can't navigate the naming and the issue wording at all but i did eventually find that you know idw does have like the full collected omnibus the one that they released for volume oh yeah the idw collections uh oh of of the tales yeah, except for they never kept, they didn't print all of them. So yeah, there's that. They just like, st- which is a shame. Yeah. But. yeah, I don't think it was selling enough at the time. I th- I think that Ninja Turtles is is come back around enough, and I think there's enough people reading comic books that they should give it the old college try again. It definitely That's has because you remember like the, our comic shop. Um, at one point they didn't they didn't stock um TMNT stuff on the shelves. Like yeah. you had to like order it from them, but now it's 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 a staple again. So it does seem like it's at least recovered from that huge dip. Mm. Yeah, kind of jumping around here, but this is kind of ish, the issue seven story part. 
I know it didn't work for you guys, but I actually liked the different lettering for the music because it really set it apart and let you know that it was the song, you know, beforehand, before you started reading the more repetitive parts of the song to That's like, true for me. You like I liked it, you know, maybe for like a page, but then and, it was just like, okay, like, but then it also like gives it more of that. I don't know. It, it lets you know, there's something magical and mystical going on here. As yeah, well, it's true. Things. It's just, I don't know. Like for me, like at some point I become like an old man and it's like, I want to be able to read it. It's like, I, I get it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It was, I mean, the lettering was bigger than normal writing. I don't know. I, I had a, just a, just a fine time reading it. Uh, I don't know. I liked it as far as a storytelling device goes, but that's just me. It It is nice though, when they do go through and like they, they commit to that. Like, here's how we're going to portray it. Um, so that that part of it did work really well. Though, to me, it's just kind of like... And maybe, I don't know, I guess that it also lends itself to it. Because, like, you could kind of glaze over it. And, you know, like, okay, she's still saying this. It's still the squiggly font. So I don't I don't have to keep reading all of it. Yeah. So I guess they, I guess they got me. But, yeah, overall, I think that... Uh... Nocturne itself is is a good idea, and I wouldn't mind seeing it showing up in another version of Ninja Turtles. I'm always down for other other dimensions and worlds and things like that for the turtles to to run into and explore. And as as people who already fish out of water in their own world, they can like experience a different world and be a fish out of water in a different way. There, yeah. Because uh, IDW hasn't really delved into like the gothic monsteriness side of things, have they? With the turtles. Mm-hmm. No, and it was the, the thing... there was that one big crossover that IDW did across their properties. Uh, the, uh, oh yeah, 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 was, yeah. That was like Infest- two issues. Invasion, infestation, or something. I think it was infestation. Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, like, was that like a it, HP Lovecraftian kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. But it kind of I don't know because that wasn't even really canon. I haven't gotten a chance to ever yeah. read it. Uh, it wasn't bad. It was interesting though. It was interesting, like a. Uh, like a huge crossover thing. It was pretty neat. Yeah. It was I, a little odd. And I'm totally down for them to try and bring in vampires and things again. You know, yeah, I mean, we can bring in Vami. Just works. Yeah. yeah we can bring me. in Vami. We can bring in Lilith. You can she bring in. Come back. Yeah. I, I, just bring, I mean, just bring Shinigami back. Shinigami okay. would yeah, be a cool character to bring back too. And they could easily like make her. A vampire as well, if they wanted. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, or a witch. Iris, IDW. You know, a witch. Because Shinigami is a cool character from the 2012 series that wasn't even, didn't even get to be used all that much. And it would be cool nope. to see her pop up again. Just, yeah, she just kind of popped up and was like spooky and kind of helpful, but that was it. I love that they brought in like, and maybe he's from other stuff, but the big trouble in Little China guy, the villain. I forget his name, but that just makes oh, yeah. my heart no, he's Yeah, he's. I think he's unique to that show. It's the same. The voice actor is the same actor too, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same. They, they were, it's like they made that episode just for me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's all we have for for these issues. Yeah. Um, Bad it, Mood Rising. That's that's it. So this kind of came out in that weird era around uh, the 2007 movie. Um, one of the four. Uh, miniseries for volume four. Yeah. Yeah. I highly recommend the the first issue, the Darkness Weaves, Tales of the TMNT, Volume Two, number seven, but Bad Moon Rising, I would not 
necessarily recommend. One and two. One and two, three and a half. And then you can stop. <laughs> fair, fair. You know what? No. Or at least the, the whole, cover. Read right? the whole thing. Read the whole thing. <laughs> if you're going to read that much, you might as well read the whole you thing. Might well just, yeah, yeah. You might as well just, yeah. You might as well You might as well get the joy yeah. of, like, it really ended with, like, a custody <laughs> battle. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, the it way really it just built up to a custody battle. Well, it built up to I a custody battle. I wanted to make battle. her look bad. <laughs> yeah. But the biggest thing is that it just sort of ends like that. That's the, my biggest issue with it right yeah. there. Right. Is it's just like, oh, man, we've been had. And it's like, <laughs> that's it. And it's just like, so we're not going to get like any payoff for this Vampire King's affair with. Well, not Vampire, sorry. King of Atlantis, the, the underwater elf king, <laughs> whatever he is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like, you know his, his affair it should with be a cliffhanger, but there's just no cliff. And it's just like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like just it's... securely in bed. <laughs> it, it just <laughs> just a plateau is going on. Yeah, it, it just kind of feels like it just ended, you know, until it just sort of ends. Yeah, to quote, yeah. "It's always sunny in Philadelphia." Yeah, yeah. Uh... So uh, if you want to read this, uh, it's not. It hasn't been reprinted, so good luck. <laughs> yeah, search your local comic shops. And- yeah, search your local comic book shop for uh, the back issues. I, I can't imagine that they're very, uh, very expensive on the on the secondary market. I mean, well, they weren't now that the cast comes out. You're all you're all screwed. Yeah, that's true. We're, we've, we've definitely tanked uh, re- the resale value of those books, being the first people to review them in years. Uh <laughs> So yeah, Keith, take us into the news. This is April O'Neil of Channel 6. All right, Spencer, comic book news. So it was last week. I think I announced it was coming out. But just in case, you know, already out in your stores is TMNT Street Fighter number five, which should be the finale of that series uh also the day after this show comes out november 8th tmnt number 145 should be hitting the shelves so make sure you go check oh, it out we're building up to from, yeah the road to 150 yeah the big ending to to sophie campbell's run so yeah. and honestly it seems like it is kind of building up to something epic we've got Massive stuff about the dragon scale happening, as well as we know, Armagon's still in the background, and that needs to be tied up. So God, we'll see how it all that, plays together. That variant cover for 145. Oh, man. That looks so yeah. cool. I'm excited to see how it all comes together to finish off the whole thing. Me too. Uh, in movie news, real quick, uh, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of the movie has been nominated for Best Animated Special at the 2023 Children Emmys. So thought that was neat. That's pretty cool. It, it, but didn't that movie come out in 2022? It did, but we they nominated it. So I, I mean, guess yeah, fair enough. I it's guess it came out late. But... I guess it came out late enough in 2022. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting. So, uh, but yeah. And so in the big news, uh, we talked about it in our last episode that the Kickstarter for Teenage Mutant Turtles and other strangeness, uh, the Kickstarter for a remastered version of the old uh, TTRPG uh, was going to go live on October 31st. And it is now officially live. And as of this recording, 
uh, is double its goal. It funded in four hours the first day it launched. Uh, so absolutely incredible. Uh, it had to make $250,000. It is currently sitting at $500,592. It is cool to see like the, the hype for it. Yeah, well, and it's hit its it's hit its uh, second stretch goal. Yeah, so, like I'm I'm getting blasted for ads for it, like on Instagram and Facebook. Like, uh, it, so it's they're definitely putting putting some stuff into it. So when we talked about it, we couldn't there the tiers hadn't been announced, and the a lot of the stuff that hasn't that, that that's included in it hadn't been announced. Um, so uh we've we've linked to the the kickstarter on our facebook page so you can go ahead over there but just a kind of a quick um just a quick couple blurbs uh this uh the best-selling hit rpg from 1985 is back this teenage mutant turtles and other strangeness kickstarter campaign features a relaunch of the original team nt role-playing game and source books sought after collector items that have enthralled generations since their release in 1985 as one of the first licensed tmnt products they are returning to print as two officially licensed deluxe hardcover collections of the RPG and all source books. Each is completely remastered, including rule clarifications, and is updated to full color. Bonus material includes an array of new artwork, never before seen uh, behind the scenes info, and art, remembrances, and tributes by renowned comic book and RPG creators Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, Freddie Williams, Sophie Campbell, Jim Lawson, Ciro Nielli. David Peterson, Steve Cummings, Ramon K. Perez, and many more. And like just knowing that Sophie Campbell is involved in this, like, makes me super happy because I know that she's a massive fan of this RPG. And so like it's what got her into Ninja Turtles. So yes. if there's anyone that you want, like providing any sort of input or anything on this book, it's probably her. I, I don't know of someone that I've seen be a bigger fan of it when talking about it. Uh, she's I mean She's been incorporating stuff from it in her run. Like the weasels yeah. are from inside that book, as well as I'm pretty sure what she's doing right now with the dragon scales is inspired by the terror bears. Like it's when, when we say like, this is, this is kind of one of the first like turtles lore things, like more so than Mirage, like so much kind of comes from this. Like, well, I mean the, the Lord came from the people at Mirage that are, that is in the book, you know, that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like this was, by. this was the lore book. Like this is like how star Wars, like a lot of the expanded universe came from the RPG. Like mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of like this, this is kind of the first time that Mirage laid out like the world of TMNT. I can't yeah. wait. I hope they don't change uh, Michelangelo's description as being like the most hedonistic of the turtles. Um, yeah, like most, I'm, I'm the curious. Most wanting of pleasures of the flesh, or something. I'm like curious that. to see what <laughs> they what they decide to keep, like as stuff that uh, maybe has not aged as well, like Raphael's uh, description, um, and some other like some of the some of the flaws you could give your character um, were kind of dated for or for back then. So, yeah. uh, but there's there's like interesting new things in here too. Um, like uh, it says featuring Turtles. all new rules uh, for creating five new mutant characters, the gecko, great white shark, ringtail lemur, penguin, and alligator snapping turtle. Oh, heck yeah. Uh, with one or more illustrated by Sophie, plus a new feral hand to hand combat style for mutants who grew up in the wild and an equipment chapter updated with modern gear, not available in 1985. Just for reference, 
there were only four issues of Turtles out at the time that this was originally published. See, like that's, that, that's what I mean. Years. Like, this is like yeah. the first time they like laid out a lot yeah. of Turtles. This is like very, very early. September 85, this book came out. Uh, issue five of the comic came out in October of 85. So this is very, very early stuff. Yeah. That is super so, wild. Uh, so it includes uh, Turtles and Other Strangeness, uh, which is the core RPG book. Turtles Go Hollywood. Uh, Truckin' Turtles. It says eight pages of original comics created for the RPG by Kevin and Peter, now in full color. Uh, 35 original mutant illustrations uh, by Kevin and Peter as well. Awesome. And, and like other things they have available on here, like they've got Turtles and Shredder-themed dice, at, which... I don't know, like that, that weird, like I like the shiny things part of my brain, <laughs> you know, wants, wants to buy those. Uh, I was looking, I was looking into the miniature sets, 70 bucks each, but ooh. yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's not terrible. Um, cause you get, you know, your average mini, um, you know, will be like $10. True. So, Look at how many that you get in the Heroes Pack. You get the four Turtles, Casey, Splinter, so that's six. Two Udrams, and then possibly more uh, if the stretch goals get unlocked. For, so, like, Fugitoid in the Heroes Bundle. Yeah. So, I mean, for 70 bucks, that's that's kind of well worth it, in my opinion. And also, like, the TCRI, like, dice rolling mat that, yeah, like, like, rolls up into really the cool. TCRI canister. Spencer's uh, been looking for a mat. He's so like, you, you have all, you I, have all I the don't need that. You know, I'll, I'll never use it, but it's, it's awesome. I love it. I mean, as, <laughs> he's been rolling his dice just onto the table like a fool. I, yeah. Like, I don't know about you guys. Like, do you guys play Dungeons and Dragons or any other table, tabletop RPGs? Uh, not, not very often. Every once in a while, I'll do some D&D, but I've, I've never been super, super into it. Uh, I, it's kind of something I do with my wife and, and friends. But it's we're like, going like, to run a game, right, folks? Right? Oh, I mean, yeah, because yeah, that, that's the thing is like, I'd love I'd love to play this like so Palladium uses its own rule set. So it's very different from D&D. So this will be very, very interesting to see yeah. how, how to run percentages it. instead of D20s. Yeah, uh, I mean, but but the di- but it runs off of a D20 system. So it just runs different, very differently. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'll the, get, the dice tray studying the rules. Um, the dice tray is really cool. The dice tower is kind of, I mean, the dice tower is just there. I don't, I don't like dice towers. Uh, the rolling mat is really nice. <laughs> like just the fact that it rolls up in a TCRI canister is, is just so cool. Ri- that is ridiculously cool. <laughs> um, want, you want to buy it even you're like, like I've never played any of these games, but it's like, mm. I do, I do need a, a ooze canister rolling. The, it rolls the dice, up into an ooze canister. Yeah. It's yeah, so it's creative. It's actually pretty perfect. Yeah. The <laughs> dice are kind of basic. Um, like they're they just kind of your, your basic uh, resin dice. Um, they, they are, but they told me that they're themed after the turtles. And so I mean, but, like, I mean, yeah. So if you go there, you can ooh. see uh, they have, they have the Donatello, Raph, uh, Mikey and shredder dice up there. Um, which on the, uh, I think it might be the 20 they have on, on the raft die, at least it shows his sigh as the 20. And then it shows Mikey's nunchucks as the 20. Oh, sweet. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Don, the Don's is the bow. Yeah. Also, well, I just, oh, I just okay. realized so it's that... really hard to see. I thought that was a reflection, but, uh, yeah. but shredders is just a 20, but, but his dice are aluminum. Yeah. 
Uh, his, his dice. Oh, his dice are aluminum. Oh, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. Which anyway, it changes everything. Yeah, it does it change everything. Aluminum <laughs> dice. Aluminum dice are nice. I have one set that's really shiny, nice. shiny yeah. metal. Well, they, they they feel they feel real nice. I like too that they didn't like. It's just like an updated version of the art that's in that book that's you, you being used for the box and the dice bag. It looks yeah, really sharp. That's really cool. Yeah, and so. Um, Oh, so so we read off the heroes uh, minis. Then the villains minis are the terror bears, pain, fear, doom, and nightmare bear, uh, Shredder and two foot clan ninjas, Igor and Carl, uh, which is Doc Farrell's mutant henchman. Uh, and then uh, Doc Farrell is included in the stretch goals. So uh, really cool stuff. Yeah. It, there's it a, does there's a like liquid, a liquid core dice goals. set. That's the one I want right there. The mutagen green liquid core dice set. Yeah. How does the core affect the balance and the legality of the role? Uh, I mean, it depends. Um, but you can there. I mean, you can you know use use them in normal gameplay as long as they're as long as they're weighted correctly. But you know, yeah. All in all, like there there's so much cool stuff coming out of this. Like one of the stretch goals is that the like the fugitoid will be added with like it looks like stats or something like that. And if you have purchased a pack that has figurines, the fugitoid figurine will be added yeah. to your pack of figurines. So, so right now, cool uh, so right now, uh, officially they've unlocked the first milestone, which was the 250,000, which was, uh, the original, um, cover art print. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I mean, they probably, they haven't updated this since they broke 500,000, uh, earlier today, but, uh, that is going to include an introductory TMNT adventure written by uh, Sophie and Kevin uh, Ciambita with the four turtles ready to play as pre-generated characters. Um, at 750,000, the original 1989 trans-dimensional TMNT cover art print will be included. At $1 million uh, is when we get the bonus uh, Fugitoid Mini and rule set. And then there's uh, Milestones 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Uh, which haven't been announced yet. I'm surprised they have to include the four Ninja Turtles as ready to play pre-generated characters as a stretch goal because they're already in the base book. I think it. I, well, I think it's just. Down. I think it's the the specific like adventure for adventure. them. Yeah, like it's it's just yeah. like the like kind of like maybe like the tutorial game real quick. Okay. Um. And so there, there's way, other it looks cool, like it's there's other exclusive cool. stuff. Um you know, all throughout here as add-ons. Um, so it just an, an incredible Kickstarter all the way around. Definitely worth checking out, especially if you like RPGs. All right. Any more news that we have this week, guys? That's it. All right. So Spencer, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going back to the next mutation. So we'll be doing episodes 18, 19, and 20 of the next mutation, I believe. Right. That's King Wick, Like Brothers, and Going Ape. All right. So, guys, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. We really appreciate it uh, that you guys come back every week. Uh, are you going to back the uh, Kickstarter? Let us know. Because um, I think right now, officially, Ke- uh, Spencer has. I am going to. I haven't yet. I was just trying to decide on what tier I wanted. Uh, Cody, have you yet? Uh, yeah, but I'm going to be the last minute hero backer to save the day. Oh, that's right. Uh, and then Keith, I believe you're, you said you're going to as well, right? Or yeah, you I, had I, the original I, one, so. 
Yeah, I need to uh, just tell my wife, like, hey, I'm going to be spending another $100 on this book that I already have. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I had to do the yeah. same thing. <laughs> yeah. I, like, screenshot like, it and was just like, you good? And she's just like, you can get it if you want. And I'm like, there it's, you go. You know, when it's like, when it's like 50 bucks, it's no problem. When it gets to be 100, it's like, I got to talk to the wife about that. Yeah, well, it's like the one I was looking at was like 300 bucks. Like, yeah, could well, I want to put down 1,000 so I can get my name in the book. But that'd be, you know. yeah, that's that's the one I wanted too. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, let us know if you're going to, if you guys are going to get that book. Uh, thank you again. Let us know somewhere on the internet what you thought of the show, Ninja Turtle Power Hour on twitter instagram facebook and blue sky so once again that's our show this week thank you again so much for listening and until next time cowabunga dudes certified certified booyakasha hot soup interest in mcu I like, films i was thinking about it like i'm not as excited for mcu movies anymore but it's like i don't i don't think there's been one that i like actively have been like this is terrible um yeah i think secret invasion is probably the only one i haven't finished like loki i think finished this week um mm-hmm. and i watched the first two episodes i just kind of fell off because i got busy um yeah but like I liked Ms. Marvel. Um like I really liked Doctor Strange. Yeah, for me it started with like I missed the Eternals. And then I also missed Hawkeye. And Hawkeye was I, don't good. Know, like, I, I just got so far behind on all like I heard it is good and like I I always meant to watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, I Moon Knight kind of brought me back in. I watched Moon Knight and really liked Moon Knight. I didn't uh, love Moon Knight, but it wasn't bad. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it was really it was just it just felt really slow. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Eternals I didn't Eternals I caught on Disney Plus and it was okay. Yeah. Uh Shang-Chi was fun. Oh, I actually liked Shang-Chi. That's probably been my favorite of of the movie since then. That one was a lot of fun. Like the big complaint is that like everyone's like, we don't care about these characters, and it's like Well, okay, like I I get that, but you know, you, the characters you do like are played by real life people. Yeah. Like, you know, well, Robert Downey Jr.'s in his mid fifties now. Yeah. Well, the, the other stupid thing about like, we don't care about these characters is it's like, did you, did you care about Iron Man before the Iron Man movie happened? Cause like, no, me, me as someone who never read comic books, like I, I get going, especially at that age, like in 2000, in 2009, I was 12. So yeah. yeah, I, I had not read comic books yet at all and definitely wasn't into Marvel. And so it's like, nobody, I don't even know who Iron Man was. <laughs> I didn't even know. Iron Man. Like yeah. I was alive when Iron Man had a cartoon in the nineties and nobody cared about Iron Man. Like, yeah. <laughs> his two coolest things were that cartoon. And then when he was in Marvel versus Capcom, that was yeah. it. Like other than that, nobody cared about Iron Man in the nineties, early two thousands, all the way up until the movie. 
Yeah. Well, and on top of that, like Thor, I yeah. did not. I until I saw the Thor movie, I didn't even know Thor was considered to also be a Marvel superhero and not just a Norse god. And I, I watched it and was like, wow, this is. I actually really liked it when I was when I was a kid, and I saw it when I was a teenager. I was like, this is like an awesome movie. Was, and then Captain America, like, I mean, granted, like I grew up in a very like nerdy family, and so like I had an uncle that was like, you know, make mine Marvel. Um, and so, like, I I grew up knowing these characters, but it's like I always gravitated towards the X Men because I was a kid of the '90s. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, his like my cousins, they they grew up knowing Fantastic Four and like all the, all the other characters. Yeah. And so, like, and so, like, they always knew more than me, but it was like I always found it interesting. Um, so I was like, oh, like those are your characters, like those are the ones you guys grew up with. Yeah. No, like when I like, I always did like superhero movies, like and superheroes as a kid for sure. I mean, what kid doesn't? You know, I mean, yeah. I wanted to see the Hulk. I remember not being allowed to because I was like, I don't know, five or something. Uh, and you know, Spider Man movies and stuff. But and you know, and then also watching Fantastic Four and you know, like loving that movie when I was a kid and things. And I don't know, like. No matter what, you know, it's like superhero. I liked it. I don't know, just to be like, oh, yeah, no one cares about Shang-Chi. And it's just like, well, yeah, like you you, you care about him after you go and see the, the film. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's because that's because that's what I'm trying to get at is that like people didn't care about those characters beforehand. But also like you're not. Like it doesn't work in comics because like it doesn't work like it does in comics because like these are real people and they're aging out of the roles. Like they don't want it. Like Chris Evans doesn't want to have to work out anymore. Yeah. You know, Robert Downey Jr. Like I said, is almost 60. Yeah. Um, Chris Evans is like having like real life health problems. I think he's like, I forget what, I think he said he had something or like he tested positive for something. Uh, or Chris from Chris Hemsworth. Uh, wow. And so he's like kind of kind of retiring from acting. Um, but he's forty years old. You know yeah. how how much longer does he want to work out? Yeah, like it's um, a lot of discipline and everything else to stay in that superhero shape. That is yeah. is nuts. Uh, <laughs> <You know>? Alzheimer's. <laughs> Alzheimer's. That's what it is. Really? He's got yeah, Alzheimer's. He, he doesn't have a Alzheimer's, but it like it runs in his family and then like he he like has a gene that they think triggers it. Um so it was revealed that Hemsworth himself has inherited two copies of the Alzheimer gene, one from his mother and one from his father, which makes it eight to ten times likelier for him to eventually develop it. Wow. So he's like really trying to like focus on that. Yeah. And so like, and, and, and so, yeah, so it's like these guys are aging out of these roles. And so it's like, you can either recast them, but it's, but like those actors are so tied to those versions of the characters that it's like, are people going to be okay with it? Like you were, you were okay with Don Cheadle taking over as uh roadie but he wasn't like a main character at the time. He was, you know, I'm going to be totally like dead honest though, as well. Watching the Iron Man movies. I didn't even notice. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, yeah, because it's been so long since I'd watched the first movie, I didn't even notice there yeah. was a different actor that was War Machine. I was like, was this guy the guy the whole time? It's like, uh, I don't so know. Black people look the same to you, Whoa. Spencer. Oh, no, 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 man, no, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't that. Um, I say that no, to make I, this joke, which is my wife is like, you have to stop guessing who actors are because I, I might have a bit of face blindness. It's kind of come out um, hmm. over the years, but she's like, especially you have to stop trying to guess minority actors because you look real insensitive dude yeah (laughs) i mean especially because like terrence howard and don Don Cheadle look nothing alike like nothing alike yeah Yeah, like i remember i remember thinking like was this the same guy and then i was just like well i guess it must have been or something Mm -hmm. i I just remember kind of shrugging it off like questioning Uh, it for a second being like like and i was like yeah whatever (laughs) so but but like i was saying like the so like you have all these actors that are aging out of these roles and then, you know, what do you, what do you do? So Marvel chose like, Hey, we're going to expand the world. We're going to, we're going to yeah. world build, well, which, that's- which is, which I like, like, I, I think that was something they had to do. It, it sucks that it's like, there's not a good reason for why a lot of these characters are like, kind of just popping up now or like you have like really dumb reasons like the Eternals like we chose not to get involved with humanity's conflicts and you know stupid stupid stuff like that mm-hmm. you know and then you've got Ms. Marvel who like I liked the show but then they're like introducing mutants through her mm-hmm. which like okay so then so then how are you going to address like mutants that have been around for you know hundreds of years or like even as like Magneto, like how are you going to address, you know, him? Yeah. And just like it, part of it sucks is that like they, they're, they're so stuck on like a small section of the universe. Like they spent 10 years on a small section of the universe. And now that they finally expanded it, it just really raised more questions on how this world works. And I don't, it's it's tough. Yeah, the thing that they do have, though, the comics never did, is that opportunity to have things move on, have like a new generation mm. and have other, granted, like legacies and everything else are way more of a DC thing than they are a Marvel thing. Like DC is yeah, loaded I, with legacy characters. And I was really excited for that. But it, but then you look at how they've done that so far and they've really fumbled it because like yeah. you have like the only real like legacy character that has taken over has been um, Sam Wilson as Captain America. And, and that was only in his show. And that was two years ago. Yeah. And we're still another two years or so from his next movie. Yeah. If and ever. so it's like we, and so we've got nothing. There's no like, there, there's, there's nothing to build this up. You know, we don't know what these characters are doing. And then when you look at it, like it's been phase four and five have been going on for, you know, four or five years now. Uh, we haven't had an Avengers movie to kind of tie it all together. And then also like most of these projects take place within like um, the same month of each other. Mm-hmm. Like it's like bam, 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 bam. Like so you don't get like a sense of like how much time has passed between between all of this. And so it it just it, the the phases feel weird. Like I like some of the projects that have come out of it, but it's just like everything just kind of feels weird. So, 
Anyway. Yeah. No, they've got a lot of opportunity here. I'm hoping that if, if the DC universe does take off and does do well, granted, I think that we're in a time where people don't care as much about superhero movies anymore and they're going to ignore it still. I don't know. It's my, the, the negative part of me, but if I can get some good DC movies and actually get a DC universe going, it would be awesome if they like let characters age out and retire and like let the next generation take over. You know, let they the legacy thing happen. Falling profits, though. I mean, yeah. Like, if anything, the MCU is evident of that. That for whatever reason, like, whenever the the old character leaves, people decide they're gone too instead of yeah. sticking around for the new thing. Well, because like, like the only other legacy character that they've done in the MCU is Ms. Marvel, kinda. Mm-hmm. Like uh... she's a she's a Carol Danvers fan, but it's like. In universe, from what we've seen, what has Carol done to garner that kind of fandom? Has she been on Earth long enough for that? Yeah, you know, and I and granted, like I really liked Captain Marvel the the movie. Um, It's my wife's favorite character, Mm -hmm. and so like we're excited for that. But that's just like that's my biggest question: is like what did she do? Like, because it's different than how it was in the comics, like where she. You know, she's primarily Earth-based. Yeah. You know, and a big... And, like, based on the new clip that came out today, like, you know, she hasn't been on Earth in a while. So it's... Yeah, and that's... that's She, you know, she did Avengers Endgame, and then she, she bounced again. So it's like, what is... Like, why, why her? And so it's like, it, it feels like an unearned legacy character. Yeah. Yeah, there are some things that just work better in comic books than they do in movies or in an animated series where you can even, you know, because that's like I've been watching Justice League Unlimited and just the sheer volume of characters that are just able to cameo in it. You know, like some of them get actually to be voiced. It is like it's, it's super awesome, especially now that I've, you know, fully immersed myself in the in the DC lore. Yeah. That's uh, like Justice League, the show was good, but man, when it became Justice League Unlimited, like it just ratcheted it up. It was so, yeah. Yeah. so much better. Well, and I, I watched it as a kid quite a bit. It wasn't until like I got, but like now I'm watching it again as an adult and I'm like, wow, this show's even better than I remember being as when I was a kid, you know, especially now that I'm, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, especially now that I've read comic books and stuff like that. It's like, oh, man, yeah, there's, okay, it's kind of playing off of this story or that story or, you know, these things that happen in the comics. And you've got, I don't know, you, you get to see Shining Knight and uh, characters like that do things. Uh, but you can do that so much easier with this animated yeah. universe because you don't have to get an actor to play. I'm trying to remember who it was that I saw in the background the other day. But anyway, there's just different characters you'll see in the background. I'm like, oh, wow, look at that. They, they included that guy there. You know, he doesn't get voiced or anything. No one says anything. But you're able to have him in there without casting anyone or anything. And you can draw him in there as many times as you want because it's animation. That was like my dad and I's favorite game was just a freeze frame Justice League and try and pick out characters. I've, so been su- I've been super proud of myself with how much I, I can do. But it always surprises me when there is someone I can't. I'm like, mm. man. I thought I knew a lot, but I guess I'm still missing a few. There's always more out there. 
Yeah, big problem is I I don't read. I haven't really read hardly any Superman or Batman comics. <laughs> I read everything else. Uh, just There's just not enough stuff. Batman comics to give you options to read. You know? <laughs> I mean, the the thing is, is I I started. I mean, I've mentioned this before many times on the show, but I've been starting from Crisis on Infinite Earths and reading through. There's too many Batman and Superman comics. That... I think if there was 70 concurrent Batman series, you'd, you'd you'd be able to land on one that you like. Yeah, probably. I mean, I've, I've read a few Batman things here and there. I read uh, Garth Ennis's, uh Batman Reptilian. Uh, I really like that one. It's got Liam, ne- Liam, not Liam Neeson, Liam Sharp on the art. Uh, and I, I love Liam Sharp's art. He's probably one of my favorite comic book artists. So I I like looking at it. So I, I definitely enjoyed that one. Uh, if for nothing but the art. Um, well, the story's pretty fun too. There was a time I tried to read the new 52 because they were like, oh, we're starting fresh. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly they're like, how about another Batman comic? How about this one? I, how about this one? And before yeah. you know it, they're like, here's 50 new- comics to keep track of every week. Well, like, there were 52 okay. comics. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that was yeah. already bad enough, but then they just, like, keep going and going. They're like, what does this guy do? It's like, also, I only read stop. the main Batman, the main Batman book by Scott Snyder and um, yeah, Greg like, Gulo. The Court mm-hmm. of Owls and all that stuff. But that was the thing, is, like, Court of Owls was kind of a letdown. Death of the Family was, like, the final, like, I, I'm out. Like, it, I hated court, death, of, death of the Family. It was such a boring... Yeah. Like thing when it, that whole 52 thing it was like all right here's a fresh slate and much like the ultimate universe of marvel like it very quickly became just mired in its own continuity and just had all the same problems the the yeah. main continuity yeah. had anyway you know i like well, that, i mean that was the thing yeah, with, like ultimate that was the thing marvel, with though. like new 52 is that they didn't commit to it so it wasn't even a fresh reboot yeah. like ultimate was yeah like, yeah, well, like, kind of like yeah it's all still kind of there and well, then you have I mean, Green yeah, Lantern, which thing, is like, never like officially rebooted. <laughs> like some, like some characters were brand new, like Superman, but only the action comics version. Then it was like Superman in his book was like the more grizzled. So you had like two time periods of Superman going on at the same time. Then Batman, all of Batman's history was was still canon, but it was all it all took place within five years. So he went through five different Robins in five years. <laughs> yeah, and then I heard they extended it to ten years. So the you know, oh, but even then with Damien's age, yeah, they extended it to ten years. So they said it was ten years, but then even if it being ten years, like Damien is still like the, his yeah. age with was Damien made for the new fifty two? No, no Damien no. was a Damien was a character in like a Garth uh, or Grant Morrison mm-hmm. um, one shot, like an Elseworlds book that he did. Um, where like it was like bat in the bat in the demon or something. Well, yeah, he was he was brought into main universe like he was in the main universe before New Fifty Two. Um, well, you no, know, yeah, because anyway. Grant Grant because Grant Morrison brought him in, but he was created a long time ago before that. Oh, um, like it, like I said, like it was a um, man, it was a it was a book like an else an Elseworlds book where he, where Bruce and Talia had hooked up, um, Mm -hmm. 1987 son of the demon. That's what it was. Um, so like he, they, they had sex and then like she, the the book ends with, uh, her like giving up Damien for adoption. 
And then Grant Morrison brought Damien back into the main continuity. I remember, I remember when that was like a huge thing. I usually think that a lot of like the best DC stuff, in my opinion, best comic books. Cause like, I know we were talking, we were talking about in our group chat today about, uh, I know manga, like, like stories that get to have like a, a beginning and an end, <laughs> you know, instead of like the never ending story or at least that, like you know, one yeah. creative vision where it's not like every year yeah. they're not, they're like, Hey, we got a up profit. So Robin yeah. needs a dog motorcycle. And it's like, okay. well, that's what the, the X-Men are going through right now. Like, you know, their whole reboot from a couple of years ago was like them finally becoming like a nation on the world and kind of, you know, kind of getting out of that persecuted class, you know, status that they've been in since the sixties, you know, and, and finally like kind of growing. And then now Marvel got rid of it all again. Yeah. Well, I mean, the same thing goes for green lantern, right? Like Jeff Johns run of green lantern creates all these green lantern cores. It does all this stuff and even goes as far as like making a jump into the future. Here is the end issue. Like, you know, everyone gets to be with their special significant other kind of thing and, and live their happy lives. Um, like it, it does that like in its run. And then mm. immediately like the following story that had to happen was lights out where there's this, I don't know, thing that definitely nobody liked where they kind of decide to introduce this idea of, all, all this energy you're channeling is being pulled from uh, pretty much the source. And so by doing so, you're bringing the end of the universe closer by using your rings and by, you know, all these lantern cores. And because this guy comes from the previous universe mm-hmm. relic, and he's a big giant and he comes and destroys pretty much come by and destroys all the, all the lantern cores, except for the red lanterns, the green lanterns and the yellow ones. Uh, you know, they kind of get to, to stick around and everyone else gets to just be practically annihilated or narrowed down to like one. Oh, or two of course. Can't you know, because you can't have the blue, the blue and the indigos around still. Well, and that's the thing is like, it is. Ones. Yeah. As long as you get orange, we, all, we just need orange. Well, you can't kill I mean, Larflees. Yeah. Orange. I mean, Larflees is just still around and stuff too. He's just off on his own planet. Like he was before Okara. Just is Gantit still around? Yeah. Is he still a jerk? Oh, actually, no, Gantit? Gantit's never been a trick. He's been the one that's always been, like, on their side. Like, on the... Hey, he goes up the, to bat for the GL jerk one. No, the jerk one is... It depends. I don't know. They they kind of bounce it around. Usually, they're all jerks, except for Gantit. Hmm. But, anyway, the, the thing is, is, like, you know, you, a lot of continuity. Everything became about the emotional spectrum during Jeff John's run, and, like, you just couldn't... You know, the Green Lantern Corps, I mean, it still technically is, though, even without the Lantern Corps, but typically the stories kind of have just turned into the Green Lantern Corps is under threat and they're going to be destroyed or they're on the brink of destruction, you know, but then they fight back and save and start rebuilding the core again. Uh, And that's been like every story for for a while now, (laughs) you know, to the point where it's like, okay, like. Does does the Green Lantern Corps ever actually go out and do any good for anyone, or are they just too busy keeping themselves from being destroyed at this point to actually do anything to help anyone? You know, but I guess when you've become fully militarized as an organization because you started fighting in a war, it's kind of hard to mm. make the guys that are going out that have been militarized, you know, throughout the galaxy being cops. Like, I don't know, it sometimes kind of gets harder to, 
I maybe at that point make them look like good guys if if we forget that they save people and do things. I don't know. But the Green Lanterns need their own like Green Lantern force to protect them, so then they can do Green Lantern things. Isn't that what the Alpha Lanterns are? <laughs> well the the Alpha Lanterns are really more like internal affairs is what the Alpha Lanterns were. So they, you know, because the because the Green Lanterns are allowed to have, uh, you know, they're able to kill, they're allowed to kill, they then need to create a group of Lanterns to police the Lanterns on whether or not they can, you know, on, on their decisions of killing and such things, so that, anyway, they can have those there, and so they create the Alpha Lanterns. So you're saying Jeff Johns is the worst thing to happen to... I mean, like the thing is, I love Jeff Johns' run, and I loved reading it. Like it, it was a good run to read. But the issue is, is that like it tied everything off so nicely at the end that it made it super hard for people to be able to continue on afterwards. You had to have like lights out, which sucked, uh, in my opinion. And then eventually, they were able to kind of do How Jordan the Green Lantern Corps, which I enjoyed reading. That one kind of has mixed reception, though. Um, it hasn't been now until Jeremy Adams run that's currently going on that they've started to kind of rework and kind of rebuild and go back to basics with, with Green Lantern. And when like back to basics doesn't mean going back to, you know, the Green Lantern of, of Jeff Johns, but like going back to almost Silver Age status of, of Green Lantern. It's been pretty good so far. I've only, you know, there's only so many issues out, but I've I've actually enjoyed it. But he, it actually feels like we're doing something, you know, different with it. I guess Grant Morrison's run definitely did its own very creative thing, but it didn't really land for me. Mm. I don't know. Sometimes I'm a little iffy on on Grant Morrison. So you're saying it wasn't the Green Lantern? Yeah, I mean, no, it's got Liam Sharp's not art. Saying that. Definitely not saying Definitely that. Not saying uh, that. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, and it's got. I'll say it, Cody. <laughs> I think that's the end of the bonus section. <laughs> Sounds good. But yeah, no, it's, it's got great art because it's Liam Sharp. It's Liam Sharp's art. So that part's awesome. But I don't know. I think I'd have to read it all together instead of issue by issue again to see if I actually like it or not. But <laughs> it, it was pretty good. Read it all together. Holy cow. Bad Moon Rising. Wait. 